What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herb. I hope you had a good weekend of pigskin and good weekend of basketball. Not so much for Nebraska. We'll get there. Recruiting on our mind. Is Nebraska able to get a mammoth? Uh, we'll just say a Georgia Mountain uh, in the boat. That announcement coming just moments ago on Instagram from Jacob Hood, the third Georgia Bulldog defector and the offensive tackle at 6'8", 350. Four years to play for Nebraska. Some quick takes on that. Another flex tight end over the weekend as well for Nebraska. So we'll kick things off with some recruiting response uh, for Nebraska's Coach Rule and company keep getting after it. Of course, NFL, uh, former Husker Zach Taylor keeps doing his thing. Man, uh, did Cincinnati look incredible. Cam Taylor Britt, emotional at the end of the game. Really cool to see him uh, step up and play his best football as a rookie in that secondary. Had a big ball game, did Cam Taylor Britt, and a big win for Cincinnati. I know there's a lot of Bills fans, Elijah, we know that we're close with. And Buffalo's a team we root for just because they're fun and interesting. They're talented. And, of course, some of the relationships we have where there are Bills fans, you, you feel for them, but uh, someone's got to go home and someone's got to move on. Uh, Philadelphia looks pretty much unbeatable, a lot of Husker flavor there. So about three weeks from uh, this coming weekend from a Super Bowl standpoint, could have a lot of Huskers uh, on uh, on the docket to get a ring or get a, another ring. So we'll hit some NFL and the uh, basketball weekend, uh, Nebraska Northwestern moved to Wednesday. What is the rest of this foot uh, basketball team going to look like defensively for Fred Hoiberg with two key pieces now down uh, for the season? Numbers to get in, 466 5865 can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that is me, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, catch the show on the airwaves and always streaming the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. You can watch the show live there at ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Give uh, coffee and cream a check in the morning as well. Damon and Andrew, 7 to 9 a.m. That's where you can check the show out. Also, ESPN Lincoln, Omaha's 590, ESPN Omaha, also where you hear those fellas as well. So let's talk about Mr. Hood, Jacob Hood, four years, offensive tackle, Georgia, uh, a three-star, was pursued by Tennessee, was pursued by Old Miss, was looked at by 
Mississippi State, and and many others in the SEC, and it just Georgia ended ended up not being a, a place for him. But Elijah, he's in a long line of quick footed, just mammoths that Georgia put on both lines of scrimmage. And if you're Hood, um, listen, you you're, you're not quite to the level of three or four year starter in the portal, right? Because that's that's pure gold, and the the world comes chasing after a, a plug and play offensive lineman. Hood's a guy that I think with Rule and with Riola can really develop into something that's that's talented. And and we, we've said this, we'll say it again, but it's true. You've got to be a certain dude to get a committable offer to Georgia. And you've got to be a certain dude to get a committable offer, offer to Georgia to play those key spots, either left tackle, right tackle, on the interior, or be one of their beasts off the edge. Okay? And I look at Hood. You know he's got the footwork. You know he's got the size. And it's 6'8". <laughs> Imagine that, dude. Six eight three fifty. That's like on. It's not quite Andre the Giant big, but that's that's like wrestler dude big. All right, and you've got fleet enough feet and presumably enough punch with your hand to be really good at pass protection. But above all, if you get your technique down, uh, you can be somebody that can really create problems on the edge uh, as a blocker. And if you're athletic enough, you've rarely seen it, but you did see it from time to time. I think a Hymas being able to pull around mm-hmm. as a tackle, right? I mean, that's 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 wow, right? It's one thing to protect, but it's also to, another thing as a tackle to go on search and destroy missions because you're that athletic. Athletic. I don't know where Hood's athleticism rates um, right now, but I'm anxious to see where he goes as a project for Nebraska. He's a guy that they can work with, work on, and get uh, the best football out of him. You would rather take this opportunity, uh, if you're Hood and if you're Nebraska, than have another guy maybe just kind of sitting and gathering dust on the bench. You don't know how much playing time you're destined to have at Georgia just because they've got it rolling. You're one of their guys. You're talented enough to be there. or you are talented enough to do anything beyond practice field? And right now, he thought Nebraska was a better option. Yeah, and and it continues Matt Rule and his staff's tradition of going and finding guys that have something that you can't teach, some sort of athletic gift. And with Hood, it's that size, six foot eight, three fifty. And you mentioned the feet aren't bad. Uh, are they they high level just yet? No, but for a guy that's six foot eight, pushing three hundred and fifty pounds, his feet are impressive. Could use a little bit more bend. Could use a little more flexibility. But who honestly, offensive lineman wise, coming out of high school, couldn't. Uh, it's it's a guy who I still think is probably a bit of a de- developmental piece. Mm-hmm. He was a developmental piece at Georgia. They're going to have him sit, and you know what he says? I can go develop at a place like Nebraska where I can even still play. I can play develop, while I but develop. I can play. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm not sure what the outlook is going to be for him come, say, this fall. Is it going to be a guy who's ready to come in and push for a starting spot, or is this a guy that's going to sit there and you know what? You're going to have him waiting in the wings just in case one of your starters go down goes down? I'm not sure. I think a lot of that remains to be seen on the field because we haven't seen a whole bunch of Jacob put on the field during his time at Georgia. We've seen uh, some of his reps from camp, but from camps of like high school recruiting, mm-hmm. but we haven't really seen what he's been on the field at Georgia. So in terms of my analysis is he's still a bit of a wild card, but he continues that, that just 
tradition of, of what Matt Rule and his staff love getting, and that's a guy with something, some sort of trait you cannot teach. And six foot eight, three fifty, you can't teach that. Can they turn him into something? Matt Rule and his staff would say yes, but time will tell. You can't coach size, right? I mean, you've heard coaches say that for years. And, I mean, look at his his lower half. Just, I mean, you look at his lower half, and it's a lot of weight. He's in his lower half. He's he's got the the legs that offensive line coaches dream about. Sure. So, can they turn something in into that or uh, of that into something? Maybe, but. That's like the number one thing that stands out with me is he looks like he's got a lot of power in his lower half. Rivals uh, was there to to make the the first announcement. Brady Oltman's going to have some good coverage on this as well from Hale Varsity. But uh, quoting uh, Hood Hood from our dear friend Greg Smith, quote, the love from the coaches, the players, and the fans stood out. And it's also a great community. Rule's an amazing person. He definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to football and developing great football players and even better young men on and off the field. So count them in your count voice from Sesame Street, one, two, three. You have Sherman at outside backer, Gilbert at tight end. And, uh, of course, you, you added Betts and Garcia Castaneda. Over uh, the you know the end of last week, eleven editions from the SEC. That kind of goes into the the topic of reset versus rebuild, and you have a, a reset from what you have on the roster now immediately with SEC talent and body types. Good enough guys to to get into an SEC school and start molding. Nebraska's acquired many of those. Uh, so you had Hood as a three- to four-star prospect. He was just inside the rivals 250 at 218 overall and the number uh, 19th-ranked offensive tackle in the 2022 cycle. He's a Nashville kid. Uh, I forgot to add also that Auburn was in on him. But Rule and Riola know how to develop. I, I, I don't doubt that. I know Donnie's not been in college a ton. He's more the NFL, but he knows – what he wants in a finished product uh, when working with NFL. So it really kind of comes down to to coachability uh, to me for a lot of these kids that are getting second starts in Lincoln. And if you trust a guy uh, like Rule, you trust a guy like Donnie Riola, then you're more apt to probably buy in, do what they say, and, and get with it. Uh, do, you, do you think 350s end all be all, or do you think they try and slim him down to 320? It really depends on what the offense looks like. I, I, don't, I think that remains to be seen with what spring football looks like. You can play like, at 350. What they like the offensive line to look like. You can like. play at 350, go for it. Well, I, I think a, a bigger question is not how much body reshaping is still yet to be done. It's it's what did he get done in his year at Georgia? It was one redshirt season where you're buried on the depth chart. Did you use that as motivation in order to, to build up into what Georgia wants you to look like? Or did you sit there stewing at the bottom of the depth chart? Angry, mad I should be playing. Mad that you're not playing. That You know what? I'm bigger than all these guys. I think I'm better than all these guys. How much did he commit himself to that Georgia strength and conditioning program his year away? I think that's a, a much bigger indicator of how much playing time he's going to get than how much body reshaping is still needed. Because if you have a guy who you think is a very talented offensive lineman, I mean, we've talked to a lot of coaches before. It's the coach's job to find a way to get a guy onto the field. And and if that means that, you know what, we're going to get him in spot duty right now and continue to reshape his body, that could mean something. But if you've got a guy who's good enough to see the field now, I don't think the what's remaining in body reshaping matters as much as what you have right now. You know, Think about the, the message this can send. And, and really, from a gamble standpoint, Nebraska 
listen, they're bringing in a lot of guys. They want some hits. Obviously, you always do, be it portal. But you, you need that bridge to develop your high school kids you brought in that you, you think are really good projects you can work with. And think about kind of the buzz on the street. You've already got buzz with a lot of the national writers about Rule and what he's done. I mean, they're, they're wowed by him, and he deserves that. He deserves that from his success at Temple. He deserves that from his success at Baylor. Uh, clearly, from a roster standpoint, I know the NFL is a different beast, but he had some puzzle pieces in the right spot for Carolina to put a playoff run together, right? Just from a, from a football guy, here's what I want with those quarterbacks. Uh, and and from, a, from a personality standpoint, the connection is college, it feels like, for Rule versus NFL. But if he can get a couple of guys to hit, think about what what the word on the street will be in SEC circles with, say he, say he gets uh, a guy like Sherman or Gilbert to come in and kill it. Say, say he gets... Uh, some of the, the, the guys on the roster to, to raise their level to a whole different game. I mean, that's what's really fascinating to see in this year one. What do you do out of the gate? Because it's not, it's not a rebuild. It's not by any stretch an easy or perfect situation. You've not gone bowling for six years, but you've done a nice roster makeover. You've infused a lot of talent, and you've been able to get uh, – You've been able to just work your butt off from a recruiting standpoint. So the development part clock starts now with future classes. And I think you're you're kind of hitting on a, a question here brought up by Elijah in the uh, the stream chat. Not you. Great name though, Elijah. Uh, he was wondering what's more important, coaching or recruiting. He's had a, a discussion with his brother-in-law. That's the simplest way to put it. And I think you're kind of hitting that. You know what? For Chicken now, or egg, bro. For for now, it's 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 developments that coaching. What can you do with the guys you have on the roster once you get these guys to nine and three, ten and two? Then recruiting becomes more important because mm-hmm. you got to get that talent in here that you can then go and coach up. So, it, I mean, they, they go hand in hand. It starts with the recruit, uh, the coaching, and then it becomes recruiting. And then I'm with you. It's it's chicken or the egg. We'll we'll ask Coach McBride this in a little bit um, because I I honestly believe it's it's coaching, but part of that coaching equation is projection and profiling. Are you profiling? talent that that is portable does does that kid you see as a high school junior or senior that you think can play ball for you and and give you some snaps turn into a a, a Wistrom or a Tomic or a Peter or coaches will tell you man look they make me look good a lot of the coaches defer the credit to yeah, you want to be a good coach, you get good players. I mean, Chuck's said that a hundred times on the show over the, the decade plus he's been with us. But it does take that that motivation, that that refinement of their skills for for the kids to, to reach their ceiling. So it's it's a hand in hand thing. Uh, you got to but the, the the piece of the coaching is being right with your your projection. In your profile. Nebraska- well, I, I would argue that they're maybe 60-40 on the coaching because great coaching can clean up recruiting misses. And Levante David can clean up a lot of... But but I wouldn't argue that great recruiting can clean up bad coaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can make it look better than it is, but 
great coaching can eliminate bad Bo- recruiting. Both of them have janitor aspects. Yes. Right? Yeah. Totally, totally agree with you. We'll, we'll spend some time with, with Coach McBride on that. Jay Moore is going to talk some NFL with us. Uh, we'll also get into Ishmael Smith Flores, tight end out of Arlington. Bob Wager uh, striking again. This is a, a talent that he knows from. No, he coached <laughs> down in Arlington. So Nebraska beats Iowa out for a tight end. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, we'll spend time with Jay Moore. More on recruiting. Good weekend for the Big Red with Jacob Hood and Ishmael Smith-Flores. Hail Varsity continues. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal... And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hail Varsity. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Jay Moore coming up in about an hour. Uh, We'll do a black shirt Monday, hour two. Charlie McBride at five. Jay Moore. At 525 on uh, Cincinnati's run, the NFL weekend. We'll stick with some more recruiting and Ishmael Smith-Flores. Also reaction to Jacob Hood. And in the stream, uh, it's a fascinating discussion. Brian has weighed in. Dion's checked in. Nick has had some thoughts. And this all kind of got kicked off a little bit earlier by Elijah asking the question about, is it coaching or is it recruiting? And just to reset here, uh, and I love the the conversations, Elijah. I'm gonna assume it was over a ice cold beer watching football this weekend. Uh, you had the uh, the argument with his brother in law, Jameis Winston, out of Florida State, willed his team to victory. Uh, I say coaching because Nebraska's had multiple years of top twenty five recruiting classes, and they failed to produce. You know, and that's that that's that is frustrating for Nebraska fans. And the way I look at it is this with, with recruiting, and I, I kind of go back to Osborne to show my, my age, but I also go back to Osborne because of how elite he was and his staff was at recruiting. And you think in Nebraska for, for years and years and years, they were going 9-3, and 10-2, and, and, and who was beating them? It was, it was Oklahoma, and OU recruited at a, an elite level, Sometimes legally, bless them, <laughs> okay, and sometimes not legally, uh, and and they're watching a bowl game, okay, because they're on probation. They're not on TV because they're on probation, but they 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 had more dudes like Keith Jackson's Jamal Jamel Holloway, uh, Marcus Dupree. Nebraska did fine with Irving Fryer, Dean Steincooler, Turner Gill. Uh, Tom Rathman. I mean, go down the list. They were all loaded. Difference is, is like, just as an example with Oklahoma when it comes to recruiting and coaching. Oh, you'd throw those guys in as like freshmen or redshirt freshmen. They had guys that were just different, and they'd come in and, and ball, right? Nebraska would lose to the Florida schools, and uh, then Colorado kind of caught up with them. But 
for the most part, Nebraska, Osborne, his staff, they were so good at recruiting and then the development. They got a certain player that some were, were ready early, and it took more of the Broderick Thomases to convince, hey, play us early. We'll be okay. Let's play Steve Taylor early. He's damn good, okay? And eventually Nebraska shifted to that. Tommy Frazier played as a true freshman. But that wasn't always the norm. So Nebraska recruited at a high level. They developed at an even better level for for decades as to, to what built the the team you want uh, Nebraska to get back to. As we talk here and now, Jameis Winston was an elite talent, as good a talent as he was to your, you know, your 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 argument with your your brother-in-law. He was as equally a knucklehead. So there was some give and take, but he he made that offense go and once the Jameis Winstons of the world left Florida State. Jimbo Fisher got the hell out of Tallahassee because it was uh, it was not even close to, to what he needed to have talent-wise. So above all, well, is it recruiting or is it coaching? It is going to be, I'm going to side coaching 60-40 just because of, of that talent identification needed. And if you miss on the identification what do you do about it? That's also part of coach. Well, you mentioned Jimbo Fisher. Look at what Jimbo Fisher did this past year at Texas A&M. And I know it's been uh, somewhat of a smaller sample size there at A&M, but he's doing great on the recruiting trail and the results on the field aren't matching it because uh, I guess you can't point to coaching specifically, but with all that, that collection of talent together, it's got to be something. And I don't think you can blame the 30 different five stars they have down at Texas A&M. I think there's something on going on behind the scenes where you look at it and you go, well, coaching is more important, obviously. But then you also look back and you, you look what happened to TCU against Georgia in the national championship game. And you say, well, TCU was averaging mid-30s in their recruiting classes and they just went up against a team that's been, you know, number one or number two for about six straight years now. And the talent that Georgia just put on the field was so much better than what TCU had. And you go, recruiting's more important. It doesn't lie. It's a healthy mix between the two and that, you know what? Great coaching can make the 45th ranked recruiting class look closer to a top 15 recruiting class. It can get you to a conference championship game. It can win you 10, 11 games. But I don't think that 45th ranked recruiting class is going to win you a national title. But then again, you have great recruiting like you see at Texas A&M, and just because you have great recruits doesn't mean you're going to go make it to the national championship game. So there may not be a correct answer here at all, but I'm, I'm agreeing it's with you whenever it's, it's case by case, but I'd venture to say 60-40 coaching to recruiting is probably the fair answer. Listen, and what you may bring in a kid that has elite speed, an incredible first step, is as strong as pick some Greek god, okay? I mean, think of all the, 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 the physical traits that help you win on a football field. May have the best arm you've seen, maybe a lightning quick. Are they coachable and can they be patient? How do they handle struggle? How do they grow up? What's their maturity level like? I mean, all of that is the crap you got to deal with, aside from just calling a play on third and eight. That's what you got to be nails with, is getting the buy-in and acceptance are you getting a kid that's coachable he may have all the talent in the world but is he coachable or not and and that i think jimbo's probably running yeah dude i'm i'm picking out rolls royces awesome we know they're fast we know they're luxury um are they gonna break down does the gas mileage suck i mean it's not all perfect is is what i'm getting at and from a nebraska standpoint i think you're 
you're getting you, you want to get to a point here with this this reset where you have talent that's equal or better than what you're facing because you the, this whole staff has studied the Big Ten they they know what they're getting into and they know that they've got to be able to to formulate a, an identity on both sides of the football to win ball games right and it's going to be centered around the line to scrimmage that's getting after the quarterback. That's running the football, and that's being able to sprinkle in some, some speed. I mean, they, they want to be fast, be faster than who they're facing, but above all, it's going to be meat and potatoes. Um, so the, the, the assistants have studied uh, the Big Ten. They have an, an idea of, of what they're going to be facing, and they know they're going to have to uh, adjust and adapt on the fly. Well, I like this, this, this comment in from Nick here on the, the recruiting versus coaching comment because, I mean, you're talking – Nebraska is the, the case study, but he says, uh, I guess we'll have to go out to Boulder where Dion will answer the question of coaching for recruiting, coaching versus recruiting for us over the next couple of years. And I, I think that's a very good take in that Dion's unproven as a coach, at least a college coach. Um, but he's got the recruiting acumen underneath his belt at, at the, the, at this level, power five level. Yes, yeah, absolutely. At, level, yes. at the major college football level. So, uh, maybe the, that's a good place to get it answered. That's a great comment in from Nick. So, Nick, appreciate the comment. If you want to chime in, give us your thoughts. You can give us a call, 402-466-3776, or chime in on our live stream, Hail Varsity YouTube page, the Hail Varsity Twitter page, ESPN Lincoln on Twitter and Facebook as well, where you can check out the live stream. Recruiting or coaching, the the great debate, what is going to power your team to uh, the heights you want to achieve. Uh, Ishmael Smith-Flores, let's spend a, a minute here. We kind of teased last segment. The other commit for Nebraska this weekend, uh, the, the tight end, Bob Wager from uh, Arlington, Texas, Martin. Of course, Wager on staff, uh, his uh, pickup and uh, connection. He, he was able to talk Ishmael to, be, to, to, to come play football for him in high school. And he's 6'5", he's 210. And you look at, at the why here. Why is Ishmael Smith-Flores, who's a Hawkeye legacy, his daddy was a high-level ball player for Iowa. Uh, Iowa was his first offer. Uh, and you look at all the Iowa tight ends doing work on Sundays and even into the postseason. Smith Flores is going to be a flex tight end for Nebraska. Um, his host for the recruiting visit was Thomas Fedoni, which was cool. And just some comments from Fedoni about wager and rule. Uh, Fedoni really likes what what is here in Lincoln uh, as far as the, 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 the reason to get a guy like Smith Flores. You want those matchup issues. You want to be able to move him around, get some mismatches on the defense. What made it work for Smith Flores was the track record of Coach Rule, what he's done with player development, what they've done with guys to the league, and what he's done with football programs. And there's just trust. There's trust with your high school coach and Wager. There's trust with Rule. Wager left a great situation to come uh, do his thing at the college level. The culture and the fan base, what Nebraska's all about. Those are all some comments from Smith Flores. Good stuff from uh, Brady Oltman's HailVarsity.com on that commitment. So, uh, listen, two good gets for Nebraska. And uh, they're not done. You still have uh, the second signing day. But what did we talk about? Nebraska needed another body on the offensive line. They've got that. They've got more bodies to come off the edge. 
and the, the majority of these gets have been from the SEC or Power Five, uh, I would say, what, seven, eight, eight out of ten from the um, – from the SEC, of course, a couple of Baylor gets gets in, in a Georgia Tech get. Who's on the horn? We've got John on the line. John, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Smitty. Hey, I love the debate between coaching and recruiting. Um, I remember Coach Eckler back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Eckler. He he said one time. I remember him saying this, and he said, um, "It's not the the big fish that get away that kill you." It's the five-year mistakes that are on your roster. It's just non-productive players. And so I totally think that is, that is on the money. It's like if you can get guys that will stay with you and develop and work hard and be productive in some way, shape, and form, that's a winner. And, and uh, you eventually will get some of those, you know, game changers, um, the Tommy Frazier, mm-hmm. the Lawrence, you know, Lawrence. That's, that's, one, that's generational gets. We all know that. And yep. they, they are they are incredible. And to get them together <laughs> is is really incredible. But, John, your point, and, and Eckler nailed it. And, and Eckler's been just a, a beast of a recruiter. Love the guy. He's right. You've got to have somebody doing something for your football team. And he may not start. He may not play. But is he good for you on the scout team? Or did you put enough time, energy, and, and resource in that, damn it, by year four he should give me something beyond taking up a, a locker a locker spot and, and being a good good dude? I mean, there's got to be some – he's got to do something on the field, but absolutely you can't whiff uh, on a guy. To, think of there's a recruiting class. This is right after Sue. Where Nebraska lost – Lost. This is right after Sue. I think it might have been 2011, where they didn't have a they didn't have one of those defensive linemen pan out, not one. And and I could walk down the the names if my memory wasn't so jacked. But yeah, you just can't have that type of miss. And the and these were guys that that did do. It was three four year air quote mistakes. You don't want to be labeled a mistake as a recruit, do you? Ever that that hurts, <laughs> that hurts, but it hurts the program because it's taken a spot. Exactly right, you know. And I think we're the toughest guys to find, and I think um, Nebraska is really a, a litmus test for it. Are the guys in the trenches? Mm-hmm. I, I really think you can find skill guys pretty much all over the place. But, boy, it's hard to find athletic big guys. Yep. So. John, thank you so much for the phone call, bud. We're up against it. Good insight. More thoughts with Hale Varsity as we continue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, if you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to more of your phone calls. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Big thanks to many of you uh, chiming in here on the stream. You can watch the show, participate. Email chris at halevarsity.com, 466-3776-800-825. 
five eight six five and different ways to <laughs> to watch the show. Chris uh, uh, at HaleVarsity.com is the email, but the uh, the the streams are are uh, a plenty for you. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Facebook, and Twitter with ESPN Lincoln, and the Hale Varsity YouTube. Uh, check that Twitter Hale Varsity YouTube. Yes, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. I will get my bleep together at H Varsity Radio. But we're talking the, the topic of you know what's what's most. Or more important, right? What's the percentages say? Is it recruiting or is it coaching? Uh, Pete's been on hold. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for the phone call. How are you doing today? Good. What do you say? Well, definitely coaching. Uh, I can give you several examples. Um, a coach that can, can see a kid's size and see how he can develop in two years is coaching more than talent. Uh, well, it's talent that's undeveloped. Uh, if a coach has got rules and he sticks by those rules for everyone, uh, makes a big difference. How many kids will fit into your process and and excel in your process uh, is critical. Bringing kids in that love football and love to work is critical. I, I believe coaching is a huge impact. I believe you can win with a little lesser talent. If you look at Osborne in the 80s, he wasn't the most talented team, but he was right up there playing for national championships. We didn't win them because we didn't have the talent and the process to go together. But once he got the talent in the 90s, you could see what he did with it. So I, I, I believe it's coaching. Pete, totally get you. No, that's that's kind of where I'm leaning as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the phone call. But I think you can always make the counter argument as if, if we give Matt Rowland and his staff a team of 22 Elijah Herbals, they're probably not going to win many games no matter how hard they coach me up. Well, no, that's true. I mean, you got a bunch of tryhards and you got some dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, you at least got on the field, so I'm not I'm not throwing shade or smoke at you. Here's the other example. But like, I'm, I'm not we, Division One by any means. We, that's we why can, I'm here. We, we can kind of roll our eyes, too. Here, here's all the here's – the, here's the one, one, one of many teams, but here's the one team some dude can point to. Right. And and God bless Larry Coker and his career. Uncle Fester is what we called him 20 years ago. But the, the guy who took over for Miami, you would talk about getting gifted that 01 Miami team, that 02 Miami team. Like Uncle Fester just stayed the hell out of the way. Didn't screw it up. Don't crash the Ferrari. No, don't 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 breathe on it. Right. Just rub it with a diaper and let let them go do their thing, because if they're motivated and locked in. Yeah. They, they're going to go annihilate anybody and everybody they play. Just stop them from recording rap songs on the ninth floor of their dorm and you're good. That's all you got to do. Yeah, <laughs> old Greg Olson still regrets that moment in that move. But, you know, Greg Olson didn't even see the field uh, for, for quite a while. We'll have some more uh, NFL thoughts here as Zach Taylor and Cincy on to another AFC championship game. And a uh, reminder about getting... Buckled up, right, uh, this time of year, any time of year, uh, vital for you to stay safe. Using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Who's with us? We got a Paul in Lincoln. Paul, go for it. Thanks for calling. Hey, guys. The best example I think of a coach over recruiting, look at Oklahoma in 2000. Bob Stoops uh, takes over a program that was just mediocre at best, goes undefeated. He moved a few players around. He could see the talent that was on the roster. 
that just hadn't been developed correctly or being used correctly, and he turns it into a national championship that first year. Uh, he yeah, it was uh, I think uh, year two for Stoopsy. Uh, year one. Yeah, it was second year, but John, uh, brother John, that was there before he got there. He had guys on the wrong side of the ball, but, yeah. he, but he had elite talent he had recruited. Yeah. He had recruited at a high level. He just couldn't coach it appropriately. Well, closer to home, you could go to that transition between Callahan and Pelini, where Callahan had a whole bunch of talent sitting on that roster, and then Pelini's able to orchestrate a quick turnaround because he came and coached that talent up. I mean, that, that, so, that, that's an example closer so, to home. It didn't have the same national championship so you had, implications. You had, the, you had the recruiting base there of dudes, but you were never able to tap into their full potential until uh, Stoops got there. Polini got there, and you saw what 09 was specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Paul, thanks for the phone call, bud. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep, good stuff from Paul. But, no, I mean, Oklahoma's uh, – that, that's that's case in point. Um, it, 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 it takes both, but the scale is, is, to me, slightly – maybe a little more than slightly. We've, we've had more input and feedback where – no talent wins, and, and that's what you're trying to get is high-level elite talent. But it's got to be coachable, and you got to be able to coach it. Well, you know, coaches say, if I get somebody like a Grandy Gregory, my my you know, as Kaz's take, my job my job is just not to screw him up. Well, he didn't. He did a good job coaching him and, and well, those guys. Up. But well, the point is this: don't don't let him waste away and never. Man, what what? Why didn't we? see more of x y and z you, there, there's that guy too on your on your football team for years there's been examples of that recently with nebraska where the guy goes on or goes somewhere else not all the time but you're wondering why somebody's a better pro than they are a college guy yeah and and well davis at georgia comes to my mind uh, I also look, I mean, closer to home at, at Nebraska, you look at Wandale's success going off to Kentucky where you kind of looked at yourself and you said, man, was Wandale just a guy that wasn't fit for the Big Ten? Well, well no, Wandale should have been carrying the ball 30 times up the middle. And that's coaching. That's coaching, <laughs> but the, the, the talent's there. It's decision-making. <laughs> and, and, and I guess that's where I'm coming. Is You know what? I'm probably going to err again still on the side of, of coaching over recruiting because – you can get lucky on the recruiting trail. You can luck your way into some talent that you didn't think that they were as good as they ended up being. You can't luck your way into coaching up talent. If, if you're going to turn a guy into something, there's no luck involved with that. It's hard work and knowing what you're doing as a coach to be able to take a guy who's, you know, he's got some flashes in high school where turn him into an all-conference type guy. There's no luck in that. Whereas you go, you know what, you can go find a guy on the recruiting trail and some coach tells you about some kid you never heard of before and you say, well, I, I, tr- I trust my guy. I'm going to send out an offer and this kid turns into an all-conference kid. There can be a little bit of luck there, and it comes with coaching, I guess, as well. So it's recruiting's important, but coaching is the be all end all. You, you can eliminate bad recruiting with coaching. You can't eliminate bad coaching with recruiting, in my humble opinion. You know, it's um, going to be fascinating to hear Coach McBride. I'm anxious to talk to him too a little bit here about about recruiting ties, mm. right? Let's let's talk a little bit here about how some of those are formed. We know some of the rule backstory with guys he's elevated with their career and their coaching journey, but just how are you able to, to have a, a connection? And it's fascinating. I know with Coach McBride, he's always got his 
years open in Arizona in his hometown of Chicago and uh, people in Kansas City. But that's who's on the horn to you about a guy you got to come see. Do you take the time to listen? Do you get him to Lincoln? Right. A lot of that has gone on for years. We'll uh, wind down hour one. Hail Varsity, we're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. How did I fare versus Elijah in the stake in the beer bets? The tallies on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hail Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. You know, you take a break, pay some bills, you come back, and hey, there's another commit. As uh, let's tell you about him, as uh, Bob Wager strikes again from um, Martin High School in Arlington. Uh, good story and write up with HailVarsity.com. Brady Oltman's here, Jim- Jeremiah Charles. Wide out from Wager's team last year, announcing that he is all in. This was on Twitter. After a great visit to the University of Nebraska, I enjoyed the hospitality and the atmosphere. With that being said, I am blessed to say I am 111, not 110, 111% committed. Uh, Go Big Red, hashtag GBR, hashtag committed at Coach Rule. Nebraska one of two schools along with North Texas after Charles, he's 6'2". Kind of an unranked composite guy, but this goes to the projection and fit discussion, and it goes to the track explosiveness, the speed that Nebraska wants. And uh, it's uh, another wide receiver here for 2023, along with Jaden Doss, Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd. And it also speaks, I'd say, to, to Matt Rule and his trust of his coaching staff. You know what? This guy is unranked in the composites, and no That's one. That's the no, composites no, problem. And, and no other power fives are off him. But but my new assistant coach Bob Wager says this guy can ball, so I'm gonna say he can ball too, and I'm I'm gonna extend the offer. It just it speaks a little bit to that that trust in your own coaching staff that Matt Rules preached not only here at Nebraska but in previous stops as well. Twenty four signees for 2023. Thirty four transfers, and uh, Nebraska's ranking. To keep that with the discussion point, 25th in composite rankings. So do you get that 25th ranked class to achieve a mid-teens ranking uh, when it comes to how they finish? Does your top 25 recruiting class finish in the top 10, top 5? You're more likely to have it finish somewhere in the top 20. That would be the hope uh, if you're Nebraska. And Coach Rules had a good history of that, where he's had some of his recruiting classes in the 40s and 30s. Those uh, teams have finished ranked. I believe the Baylor team that went on to, uh, to go to a New Year's Day 6 uh, that, that he was not a part of, but he recruited, that was just on the verge there 
of uh, going to win a conference championship, the infamous Oklahoma State-Baylor Big 12 championship game where Baylor just fell short. That class was ranked somewhere in the 30s. So to getting a, a high level of achievement based on what you get. Uh, Nick isn't wrong. I think if you get five stars and buy-in, that's when you become Georgia and Alabama. Pretty good. Uh, we're going to get to the phones here. Time permitting. Also, Charlie McBride's in 10 minutes. What do we have here with our steak and beer? Well, there was something interesting that you did with your picks last week, Schmitty. Do you, do you remember I, what you did? I went over. Uh, no, you went overs on every single game, which was interesting because every single game went unders this See, weekend. See, I... Uh, Yet, you still managed to beat me. Wow. I missed all four. I picked uh, the Chiefs, the Giants, the Bills, and the Cowboys. None of those four teams so covered. So, as far as against the spread, I nailed them. Uh, against the spread, you hit the Jags, you hit the Bengals, and you hit the San Francisco 49ers. So, it was three of four, but I got hosed on the overs. Yeah, and I just hit the unders on two games, and I missed my picks on all four. So, you are the rightful winner for this weekend, staking of your bet. So, don't listen to me with overs, unders, but I'm kind of halfway... Decent with Colin. By our powers combined. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge. It's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment it's a new environment with over two million dollars in improvements you have access to generous benefits packages company support for health and wellness and you do impactful work on a national scale make a difference their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission check out what's available today at fscedge.com Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, more from you guys in the stream as we're live on Facebook and Twitter. Also, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. It is that time. We love catching up with Coach, the Hall of Famer, the legend, Mr. Blackshirt himself. And Monday with Charlie, Coach Charlie McBride with us. Coach, how many wings did you eat? All of them. Well, <laughs> that's a great answer. That's a great answer. You won't get into specifics. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to go there. I like it. But wings and football. Did you have a Did you have a good weekend watching some uh, some NFL? Uh, yeah, I watched uh, NFL. That's the first time I really had a chance to sit down and watch both, you know, the the two games. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, 
You know, it's kind of a right now. It's kind of crazy because you know, one team you got a sort of a quarterback who's playing well. You know, mm-hmm. but he's you know could if he he played better, he could take him to the prizes. But I think when it gets down to the you know the real tough stuff, it might be tough for him and. But I was I was I was surprised kind of a little bit with Buffalo, but I was for the Bengals. Sure. I mean, you know, just you know, because uh, it's it's uh, I think they're you know we got the quarterback coach in there mm-hmm. and you know and stuff like that. We've got a, a couple of players and you got the Burrows um, there, of course. You got uh, Cam Taylor, Brett, Zach Taylor. Yeah, I mean it's. There's a lot you of know, Nebraska flavor. Yeah, and, and Britt's doing a good job. I mean, he. Mm-hmm. You know what? I I didn't. I I always said this. That guy in the NFL will not be a corner. But I I think he's playing corner. But I think they, when they get around to it, he's going to be a safety. Mm-hmm. Because that guy that guy knows he goes after the ball, and and that's you, you know when you're a safety, you have to be kind of one one of those kind of guys and he's uh, got height and you know he's long and stretched out and he's got good arm length and he's got some you know he might not be the, the corner that you're looking for speed wise but mm-hmm. you know but he's he's a good player he's a he's a really good player pretty fun scene for him too after the game as he's got the the interception he had two pass breakups and interception, I think seven tackles, and really did a wonderful job on Diggs, Buffalo's stud wide receiver. Just was very physical with him. And Cam's always been good coming up and making plays in the run game, even at Nebraska. Yeah. And he got emotional when he was, you know, when he was um, interacting with the Cincinnati fans that made the trip. I mean, he was. That's probably the first big win he's had. I mean, think about this. I mean, the guy's played his butt off for a lot of years in Lincoln, and he gets drafted to Cincinnati, overcomes an injury, and, oh, hey, Cam, go go hook up with um, with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo uh, in, in, a, in a monster playoff game. And he was overcome with emotion, understand, understandably so, because he just he felt proud, right? He felt proud about what he was able to help the team do. Yeah, well, he, he's he's the kind of kid that you you know you you want to have. He, I think he's a pretty good. I don't. I haven't been around the kid, but I think he's a good leader, and mm-hmm. I think that you know he he attracts people. You know, because he's so uh, well spoken. You know, when he comes out, he's you know we got guys that, that we had. You know, I mean you, I won't name names, but we had some kids that. Um, I've coached some kids that, you know, they they're, they talk to you, but when they get into the public or they get into the press, it's kind of kind of dull. <laughs> so there's some charisma, charisma with Cam, is what you say? Yeah, 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 and I think that helps a little bit. But uh, you know, I I was really happy for him. Coach Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and. 
Coach, let's dive into a topic that we've been hitting most of the first hour, and that's the the, the conversation surrounding recruiting and coaching in, in terms of which is more important to the, the long-term success of a football program. Is it being able to, to bring in talent and and get those five stars and, and four stars, get them on on campus and on the field? Is it, is it coaching? Is it how you take those guys that you do eventually get on campus and turn them into something? Well, what do you think is more important in terms of building a successful well, winning football team? Well, I, I tell you what, I I have t- two peop- different coaches, and both of them are as successful as there is. One was Woody Hayes, and one's Tom. Mm-hmm. And Woody Hayes told me when I was a young coach, he said, uh, he said, Charlie, you want to be a good coach? And I said, uh, yes, sir. And he said, get good players. And that that was the that was the first thing. Well, that kind of connected when I sat down with Tom when I first went to Nebraska. He said, uh, "I have three things that I want you to do." He said, "This is your job description, basically." And number one is recruiting, and number two is coaching, and number three is if you cheat, you're fired. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I was. It was kind of straight out. So both coaches put recruiting first. In other words, Woody Hayes was saying to you, "Go, you got to be a good recruiter. You got to get good players." And they've been in a they've been in a situation. I think when people start looking at recruiting and don't understand how how good a job these guys, all of them. I mean, I think some of these coaches, even the ones that some of them that we've gotten fired, have not. I think in the past have not been willing to go after the five stars. They think, well, we're not going to get them here. You, you may not, but once you get one or two of them, hang in there because they're going to talk the other guys into coming. They're the kind of guys you want around recruiting. And, um, you know, so I think recruiting is the is the number one thing. and uh, And these guys know what they're doing. Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, let's, let's take that topic of getting good talent to developing and that's the thing and that's what your your friend and buddy Saban's done that's what Kirby Smart's doing he's getting the best of the best that's what Ohio State's been doing that's what Clemson's been doing about four or five programs right sure they've got the best there is they're in a great recruiting area Nebraska's always had to recruit nationally you guys have done that. You've brought in high-level talent, and by the time they got done in Lincoln, through their work and through your work, a lot of times you're you're winning the Big Eight or winning the Big Twelve or having a very successful season. The coaching element, the the projection part. Tell me how difficult or or easy that is, seeing what a kid can become and then getting them to that finish line. Well, I think the thing you have a lot of times when you when you're talking about get now it's a different deal. Some guys are going to be looking for the money, and right. that's not going to be so much the school. So it's a little different than when I was. But assuming that that isn't the that that you know they're all going to get something. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and and if they're satisfied with that. Uh, then, then I'd say you got some pretty good character kids because they want to play football, they want to have some fun, and they want to go to a place they want to they want to be at, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, 
that that's what I think is important. And the other thing is, is a lot of times it seems to me that sometimes coaches are say, well, we can't get these guys, so we got to go after these guys and develop them. Well, we did, we we did that, but we also had some, had some we had some five stars. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, and uh, you know that that played for us that were good from the start. And, uh, you know, you don't get kids. I mean, Ralph Brown, for example, Mike Brown, both of them are five-star players. I mean, uh, Mike was the defensive and offensive player of the year in Arizona. So, I mean, that's not a three-star guy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And three Pro Bowls in the NFL and a Super Bowl. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. And, and, And Ralph started from day one. Yeah. You know, we've only had a couple guys ever do that. So you know, it's 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 uh, it's something that you you know you can't be afraid of. What but what happens is a lot of these kids have some connection to Nebraska. A lot of these five star kids that you that you're you're looking at are have maybe have some connection whether their mother grew up here or went to school here or did all kinds of all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. And, um, and a lot of times if you're afraid to go after it, I mean, you can find out right away. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of kids I've gone to, it said, Coach, I want to stay close to home. You know, with my family is a big deal, and, and that's, that's it. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that want to, you know, go to a place and, and enjoy themselves and play where they, you know, part of their, they've been home all the time. And and they want to go somewhere where they can, you know, have fun, get new friends and things like that. So it's, it's there's so many different things that, to draw a kid to a university. And like I said, you know, you've heard, you've heard the same thing, like, Guys, well, the kid that committed, and and then the next day he turned around, or a couple of days, and went to Oklahoma. Well, he he even said it himself that he was so fired up. We had such a good visit at Nebraska, but when he got home, a couple of days and a time to think, it kind of wore off, and and he looked like, well, maybe Oklahoma's a better spot for me, or something like that. So. You know, you don't know what's going to draw a kid to you unless you try. I mean, most of the kids are – the character kids are going to tell you, Coach, I'm I'm going to stay here. I've always told the players, I've always told the parents, if you have more, if you have more than three schools, if you, you can't tell me that when you went, were in high school and you were a senior – and nobody did anything about recruiting, and you picked out three schools that were in your heart. You thought about, you know, sometimes it changes, but a lot of times that that's that's what he's been thinking about. Nate Nate Turner was a good example. Mm-hmm. I walked in the house, and no, he's the number one receiver in the country, and 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 right away, his you know uh, his dad wants him to go to Notre Dame. And he's close. He's a he's an electrician. He works downtown, and they, he was on the Sears Tower building that thing. And the, the mother had a job close by, but the thing was that she told me that she wants him to do what he wants to do. 
Mm. And he told me he wants them to go to Notre Dame. Well, she already told me that. Well, I walk out. This is the first time I ever met the kid. I mean, I met him the first time. Was really talked to him. Nate, I met Nate him Turner, just for our, our listeners that may not know, was an elite wingback for Nebraska. Played for the Bills for a hundred years. Right. And and Nate is. Um, I went outside and and I said to Nate and I said, well, I said I'll come back and everything. And he said, Coach, I he came out. It was about it was about two degrees outside. <laughs> he had a T-shirt on. He comes walking out to the car with me. I said, what are you, crazy or something? He said, no, Coach, I want to tell you, I'm coming to Nebraska. I about fell out of my shoes. I, <laughs> and, you know, he said, well, Coach, he said, I'll tell you one of the uh, things that it's always been, Nebraska's always been my favorite school. He said, we were kids watching the Oklahoma-Nebraska game, mm. and then we'd go out. And I'd always be on the Nebraska team, you know. <laughs> and so that's how that's how things happen. Mm. And I recruited a kid in Kansas City who's coming to Nebraska, and all of a sudden Texas got in on him, and he was born in Texas. Mm. And I lost him. Yeah. I mean, so so there's things that come up that all anywhere you know can can come up and and uh tom always did a good job in the house especially with the mothers they knew that he was he's so honest and truthful you know i mean you can't beat that and um you know and and that that helps when the head coach comes in and seals it it, it that's the main thing you beat old holtzy out for him didn't you at notre dame who said so you beat lou holtz out for nate turner didn't you I don't. You probably. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. I, you know, and and I don't even think about that. And the other thing in recruiting, I never mentioned another school. Yeah, it's true. And and I always talk to the if you if you understand in recruiting what a coach will come in and and badmouth, say Nebraska, and he's from X University. And he'll badmouth him, and I warned him about that. And I said, anything that they, he says that you want to find out about, you call me, <laughs> and and I'll, I'll give you the answer to it. And and the thing is, the other thing is, is the parent, the fathers are usually good at this. They usually say, well, you know a lot about Nebraska. When did you coach there? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I said, ask them when they coach there to know all this stuff, and they don't. Charlie, they, can't, they can't answer that right good, and when they do, they, you know, they put their foot in their mouth, and it hurts them. Yeah. Coach, and so I've ne- I've never been a guy that goes in and says, "Ah, Michigan State's a dump." You know, you don't want to go there. And, <laughs> <laughs> Coach, we'll, you know, because he may love it. <laughs> that's good. We'll uh, we'll catch up next Monday. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for the time, Coach. Okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye now. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red, and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. Some Husker thoughts, some NFL takes from the playoff weekend. We welcome in Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore at Jay Moore44 on Twitter. 
Uh, Jay, long time no see. How we doing on a Monday? Yeah, good to uh, get a chat with you again. It was it was good to uh, watch a little football with you yesterday, Schmitty. We have it's been a minute, and uh, but it's good overall. Overall, for a Monday, I'll, I'll take it. We just huddle up uh, for a Cincinnati playoff game, which is cool because that means uh, your roommate Zach Taylor's been getting into the playoffs pretty regularly, and uh, no. Uh, no hiccup in Buffalo where it felt like destiny belonged to the Bills, right? They have built up. They have been knocking on that Super Bowl door. And, Jay, the Bengals had other thoughts. Just your quick impression of of the game plan Zach and the offensive coordinator Callahan put together. I mean, this thing was a blowout. Yeah. Obviously, Rather not not rather not surprised by any means, but I do think I thought it was gonna be a, a closer game mm-hmm. as did a lot of people. But just the ability for Cincinnati to run the ball, you know, 172 total yards rushing, uh, the, the the one-two punch of, of Mixon and, and Pirine, uh, you know, and that was just they were, they were just tough to stop. And then he just threw in the the nice you know intermediate passing game of Joe Burrow to his receivers. It wasn't, you know, in those conditions, it's hard to stretch the field. Uh, they tried to a couple times, but they just kind of gave what the defense has taken, and that's just kind of what the, uh, Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor, their offenses do. You know, they'll, they'll take they'll take their shots here, you know, every now and then, but hey, let's, we're okay you know, getting Chase you know, on an eight-yard comeback route and getting T. Higgins you know, on a on a yeah, eight yard, you know, out route, and we're just gonna we're just gonna chip away, and we're gonna own that time possession. We're gonna move the football, and we're gonna rely on our defense. It's pretty dang good as well. So, rather, yeah, rather surprised that the game turned out the way it is. But Cincinnati just kind of found them their their way this year. You know, they started off rather slowly. Uh, Joe was just getting, you know, he had to come and had him for all angles early early uh, in those first couple of games where they lost this this uh, early this year. But they they found their way, and they know who they are. And that ability to run the ball up there against a Buffalo defense, who now I I, I do forget they are without Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And I just would like to know if you know that defense would have been a, a, quite a bit better with Von Miller um, on the edge. But it isn't. They don't have him. He was you know here at his knees. So the, their ability to kind of take a makeshift makeshift offensive line because they've had some injuries as well. And just go up there and. Do what they did. I think Burrow was only sacked one time. Had a couple pressures there, here and there. That's going to happen in the playoffs. But just the ability to to run the ball and hold Buffalo's offense to ten points. I mean, that was that's that's baffling as well. That's that's crazy. I, mean, I don't even when the last time I don't think Buffalo's ever scored that that low point total since Josh Allen has been there. And then you know, interesting to see how. Um, things kind of shake out for Buffalo here in this offseason. Um, you know, obviously without with Dayball heading up to uh, with the Giants this past year. So their offense kind of well, struggled a little bit at times this year. But Cincinnati, I'll, I guess I'll tell you what, I'll take my hats off to to them and how they how they perform, man. And they are hot. And it seems like this team plays better on the road. That's what they did last year. Uh, beat the Raiders last year in wild card and went to – Tennessee and beat the Titans, and then divisional obviously went to Kansas City, where they'll be at again this year. So I, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a yeah Sunday watching them go down to KC again. 
Now, Jay, my, my mind after watching that game yesterday goes back to a quote from Matt Rule at the opening press conference. That's that he wants to build a team that's constructed for the weather in which his team plays. And that's kind of where my mind went yesterday. Do you think that was the difference between the, the Bengals and the Bills, that the Bengals have a team that's been constructed to, to win in the elements? This is now the second straight year they've gone, and whenever January rolls around, it seems like they're playing their best football. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Buffalo could not run the football. You know, you got to figure that out as well. And Josh Josh Allen has been was has been such an integral part of that run game. I know they they did it a couple times, but mainly his most. I think he only had like twenty seven total yards running. Um, I know he got. <laughs> I mean, he was getting hit left and right, but he did a good job escaping a lot of pressures and and getting rid of it when he could. But yeah, they spent on the football. That's that was that's Buffalo's problem. That's you know, and they they know they're going to play in conditions. They know once you know October rolls around, they're going to play in some some pretty tough conditions up in, in upstate New York. So that was very surprising. But not, it's, I'll say it's even it was more surprising though for for the bill or for the excuse me for the Bengals to be able to run the football the way they did because like they they've lost offensive linemen all over the place this year. Uh, they were trying to get Andrew Whitworth to come out of retirement almost to try to come and play for them. So. That was just their ability to do that in in those conditions at home against a really good Buffalo team. It's it's very very uh, surprising, and uh, I, like I said, they are playing their best football. Hopefully, they keep you know carrying this thing on into Kansas City, and then and hopefully into Phoenix for the Super Bowl. You know, one of the Bengals writers for the Athletic did a just a wonderful kind of post mortem of of this win, and. <clears throat> Buffalo, I should say, Cincinnati has been – Buffalo has been patted on the back all year, right? You were 13 seconds away. Mm-hmm. And then there's Cincinnati where, hey, that was that was a fun Cinderella run, and, and you might be a playoff team moving forward. But you know what? We don't expect too much of you because it's really Kansas City and Buffalo's division. Well, uh, Cincinnati's been keeping receipts of disrespect as it's been titled in this, mm-hmm. in this column. And – Speak a little bit to what makes Zach Taylor tick. Your roommate, your dear friend, head coach of Cincinnati, uh, a guy that, oh, by the end of a game, even at Nebraska, you're like, man, what, 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 a, what a gamer, what a ball player, what a tough SOB. And, oh, yeah, there's talent with all those traits. And he's carried it forward through his coaching life. And he's, he is, he's working his way, if not already, to – one of the top coaches in, in the NFL with what he's done. Yeah, he has talent. They've drafted well. But he knows what he's what he's wanted to do from a construction standpoint, and that's build with defense, have a run game, and then have some elite guys. I mean, that receiving crew is is incredible, but yet they, they're always willing to – be run first, even with a guy like Joe Burrow. It's interesting in that they have Joe Burrow and those receivers, and it does not feel like their offense is predicated upon those guys. That's what I think is incredible about that this Bengals team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's Jay. It's 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 so mature. It's the best word I can, I can uh, you know tag with this Cincinnati mindset offensively, is is they know what their formula is to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well they do. They know they know they are, and what, if you're going to take away Jamar Chase, well. Who's covering T. Higgins? If you want to take away those two, okay, then you got Hayden Hurst, the tight end, who caught a couple of nice balls and one for a touchdown yesterday. So they have they have multiple weapons. I know Jamar Chase gets all the attention, but I mean, T. has been 
really, really good. Hayden Hurst. Uh, I know there's other wide receivers I can't think of on top of my head, but then obviously you go, you go Mix and P. Ryan, that one-two combo. You know that they're be able to just commit to the run game, and they haven't. They've struggled at times running the ball this year, just like everyone else has. But they're but they know, and that's the that's the beauty about playoff football. It's the purest of of of, of it all, and it comes down to who can run the football and who can get stops on defense. And that's exactly what Cincinnati did. You just look to how, you know, these, most of these playoff games, it's just the same down the board. Okay. Who can run the football and who's able to get off the field on third down and create turnovers and get stops. And that's just going to be, that's going to be football for, for as long as, you know, for as long as this game's going to be around, that's, that's just going to be the one, two punch. That's the one, that's the recipe uh, for, for sustainable, you know, programs. Whether it's in college or the NFL, but but to Zach, you know he is he is one of the most um, down to earth, you know, human beings. I've said that multiple times, but I think the guy has carried a chip on his shoulder from day one, and you know, coming out of Norman, Oklahoma, wasn't very highly recruited. Went to Wake Forest, left there after his freshman year, goes to Butler, you know, community college. And Butler was really, really good. And I, they might have won a JUCO national championship. News there, I, I don't remember, but I know I feel like between Zach and Kenny Wilson and Franz Hardy, a bunch of them just came up to Nebraska all at one time. So I know they were really good. And he just developed, and he was just—he he has this this competitiveness about him that is pretty quiet. You don't—you don't know that, but until you get up, get amongst it, and he is the dude. He, he runs hot, and it's—you it's, don't know it a lot of times, but I'll. You know, you'll you'll see it every now and then when a referee makes a bad call or something, it it starts to show. But then you got to see a little bit of w- what I love about Zach too is his comments. You know, after the game, and it's like, you know what, I I'm sorry, guys, you keep screwing up your plans. I know you had all this this off this uh, neutral site game plan. You know, you're trying to line up coin toss people and all these things and do this and that. And I'm we just keep screwing it up. You know, I'm sorry. And just the sarcasticness is just because he knows, like he knows that they were hoping for that Buffalo, uh, Kansas city neutral site game, you know, and, and if, if, Ham, if the injury to Hamlet doesn't happen, you know, there's probably, you know, Cincinnati easily could have been the, been the two seed, but you know, they kind of the whole coin flip thing and all that. So they, they know what's going on. They know that they've been slighted and they're, they're Zach's taking that chip, chip on the shoulder that he's had and he's, and he's taken along with them and he's, he's, he's giving it to his team as well. They know that they, not too many people expect them to be in this position, how you alluded to already earlier, and uh, not too many people expect them to go up to Buffalo and win, and they did, and they did it handily. And uh, that I loved his comments after the game. Just, just showed you it's a, it's a very quiet. He's very quiet, humbled, but he's he has that inner the inner fire that all great you know college quarterbacks have, and and great head coaches have to have because you have to be calm. Under what you know at the surface, but inside there's got to be something else going in a, in a in a fire that's burning, and and uh, Zach Zach definitely has that. I think he just kind of displayed that a little bit, nothing too crazy, but just enough to say like, hey, we know we know what you guys are saying about us. We know we hear things. Uh, <laughs> our apologies that we keep messing up your plans, but we're gonna keep up. We're gonna keep on doing what we're doing, and we plan to go ruin some plans in Kansas City next weekend. Jay Moore with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Jay Moore is, uh, we'll have more with Jay on the NFL playoffs. Uh, Jay, a longtime vet, played with the Rams, Cowboys, 
Titans and, of course, drafted by the 49ers. We'll get into San Fran, Jay's team coming up. But the unique relationship, and Jay's always been awesome to give us some time on his buddy and dear friend Zach Taylor continues his run in Cincinnati. More with Jay Moore in the NFL Weekend next. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, Zach Taylor, uh, Jay's roommate, dear friend, uh, college teammate, Cincinnati on to the AFC title game again. What a little bit further on that alter ego? Like, just give me a little bit more on on Zach. Is he a screamer, or is it just kind of like a, oh, he's got a crazy look in his eye, like Harry and Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> no, he just he he's a guy that when you talk, you better when he talks, you better listen because he means it. He's not a BSer. He's not a, a a super chatty guy. But when he when he says something, he means it. He's not he, he's not full himself. He doesn't say things just the same. He means it when he says it, and that's why I think his ability as a coach, that's why it, it does so well in the NFL because you can get some, some guys that can talk it, talk it very, very well, but, you know, it, they might not be able to live it or it's kind of one of those do as I say, not as I do type of situations. Uh, and I think Zach is, A, he's a just a phenomenal human being, a, a great family man. Uh, him and his wife, Sarah, are two outstanding people, raising great family. Um, he's he, and That's what's first, first and foremost most important to him. He's not. It's not about. Hey, look at me. He's not on social media, like I said. He's not doing commercials, but he still has that ability to command a room, command his team, have control of his staff, but also have freedom to his staff. You know, let his guys. He's not a. He, and he's not a micromanager. He's just. He just lets his guys go do his thing. And you can see his team. They play loose. I mean, out there doing snow angels and and just having fun when they play. Um, and so it just. It's a. It's a perfect mix of just. Everything. That's why I think he's had so much success. Is because it's it's just okay. Let's get let's let my coaches coach to their best ability. Let's put our players in the best spot every game to win at what in whatever way possible, and we're gonna have fun doing it. And if it doesn't work, I'll take the blame for it, and we'll go and create something else. And he's not too hard headed, not too stubborn to know when it's wrong. He needs to change, and I think you can you've seen that along his coaching career as well. So just a great mix of everything. Um, just and not surprised, his, you know, his family he comes from an awesome family. Uh, his mom and dad were, were two outstanding people as well. Uh, so it's pretty cool just to see the evolution of Zach and, and what he's become because, first and foremost, he is such a, a great human being and a great person. But just to see that, that fire that he had that I, I saw at Nebraska come out here and just, you know, he's become one of the best coaches in the NFL. Jay, your 49ers uh, able to, to outlast Dallas. Philly is up next. We'll uh, wrap the NFL here with some thoughts on, on San Fran here this weekend. 
Yeah, what a game. I kind of thought it was going to be a rather low-scoring game there with those two defenses going. And that just kind of came down to, you know, San Francisco creating the turnovers. And, you know, Dak, we saw the Dak that we kind of you see at times. It just careless of the ball. I mean, he could have gotten – there was a couple more instances where he threw into some coverages and that one late in the game, he almost had – it should have been a pick six. Linebacker stepped right in front of, I think, a tight end and, and almost took it in there. But I was, you know – it was uh, <laughs> it was it was too close to call there for a minute. I didn't know which way that game was going. You know, you get you get uh, six to three. Maher's field goal gets blocked. You know, you got all that the Maher stuff come out again, and then you know San Francisco kind of keeps chipping away, fights back nine to nine to six. You know, at half, and then boom, they get a touchdown. And can't remember what the nineteen twelve I think the mm-hmm. final score was. You know, and they won that crazy play at the end of the end of the game. I don't know what the heck that was they were thinking of that one. But yeah, just by what you thought, two two of the best defenses in the NFL battling out. And I think the better team won in that game and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a heck of a battle in Philly next week at two o'clock on Sunday. It's gonna be with that defense and the the playmakers San Francisco has, even though they're playing, you know, with a rookie seventh round pick quarterback and just seeing what they're able to do and hang with that high flying super powerful you know philadelphia eagles team and they're they're stacked defensively and offensively so it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be an epic one jane a potential 49ers versus Bengals super bowl if it comes to that have you thought about who you're going to be rooting for yeah you know that's, uh, that's a tough one but i'll have to go with the Bengals on that one because i still you want to talk about chips on your shoulder? San Francisco did fire me, so <laughs> I, have that, I, have that, um, I still have that one. Even though they drafted me, they gave me the opportunity, but they did fire me. So I'll, I still have to uh, know. Uh, if it's one of those like you know, blood is thicker than than water in this type of situation. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to go with even though Zach's not blood, but uh, it's, it's damn close. So I'll be I'll be cheering on the. Zach and just the other, you know, with just my relationship with with uh, the Burrow family being at Nebraska when I was there, and then you know Stanley Morgan, you know, still on the team. So there's a lot of Nebraska connections on that on the Cincinnati side. So I'll have to, I'd, I'd definitely be leaning heavy, heavy Bengals. I'm shocked Kansas City's favored, but but they are now. That could yeah. change between now and. In kickoff on Sunday, Cincinnati just seems on a roll, but just when you think you have things pegged in the NFL, you get a bit of a surprise. Jay, to say goodbye, Nebraska football, uh, of course, that second signing day looms next week. He did a lot of signing day Wednesdays with us over the years. Nebraska could add as many as 40, 40 new faces. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you juggle and manage all of that? I guess is my question moving forward with rule because you're gonna you're gonna have some attrition, but man, you're going hard and heavy after a a, a certain athletic type uh, and, and recruiting area uh, in in this uh, short time you've been in charge. Yeah, not surprised. You're gonna have some attrition come whether after winter conditioning going to spring ball or after spring ball with with transfers and guys just kind of seeing. You know what's written on the wall for them at that at that time frame. I think that's part of it, and I think they'll be able to see just the cuts or whatever it is that they might just be saying, "Hey, you're just not what we want or what we're looking for." I, I know that rarely happens at, at Nebraska, but I think that's that could be part of it as well. But mainly, I think they're going to put these guys through quite the ringer in winter conditioning and spring ball, and I don't think it's going to be anything like we saw when I was when Bill Callahan got here, because I think there was 
almost 200 guys in the football team when Bill got here. He was like, this is not manageable, and rightfully so. It's, it's super hard, and I get, you know, it It ticked a lot of people off because of the walk-on program. That you know, that was part of it. But he put us through, before we went to spring ball, before we went to spring break, they put us through a two-week grinder. And, you know, you want to call it a hell week. Obviously nothing close to the hell week that the Navy SEALs face, but they tried to make it as close as possible. You know, it was it was working out at 6 a.m. You had to be at the stadium by 4.30 in the morning to get taped. You did that. You had to go to class. You had to come back and lift. And we did that for five days in a row. Got the weekend off. And did it again for another five days in a row. Uh, I believe over 60 guys quit in that time. So... Would it be surprised in a similar situation? A lot of head coaches come in and do that. It's kind of a cleaning house. Let's see who really wants to be here. Let's let's push the limits. I think Bo had a similar situation. He was when he got here back in 08 as well. So a lot of guys just want to push push these guys to the limits. Today. Who really wants it? And uh, you're going to, you know, I would imagine throughout winter conditioning and spring ball, you're going to that's going to be that's going to be front and heavy with Matt Rule and his staff. He he wants to find out who who wants to be here and play football and get better and win some football games and who, who likes just being on the football team and getting some free gear every now and then and saying I'm on the football team. That's what he's trying to separate now. And I think recruit the guys that you want and then, you know, I mean, obviously more than what you can have on scholarship, but then knowing that you're going to have some attrition, boom, you just, you just kind of plug and replace and you, then you're building a, a roster and you're heading to, into, uh, you know, fall camp with, with guys who you think can help your team going forward to win. Jay Moore with us, uh, Husker Blackshirt, NFLer, and Big Red Wrap-Up co-host. Find him on Twitter at jmore44. Jay, we'll uh, see how things shake out this weekend with Kansas City and San Fran. Thanks for the time today. Yep, you got it. Thanks, fellas. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, just recapping a busy recruiting day. Jacob Hood announcing his commitment offensive tackle. Georgia transfer is in. You have the commitment from Ishmael Smith Flores. Uh, he is all good to go for the Big Red. And uh, Elijah, you have uh, Jeremiah Charles, wide receiver, the second player from Arlington High. Uh, coach, uh, of course, uh, making that happen, uh, Bob Wager. Two for two with his former players. And then you get Hood. Uh, in the mix. So good Monday for Nebraska. The recruiting visit weekend paid off. You had a lot of the white on white going with the unis and some snow angels at the stadium with the snowfall. And which brings up a very, very, very important question, Schmitty. Should Nebraska bring back the white on white uniforms to away games moving never. forward? Surrender whites, never. I kind of like them. Uh, I think that, they look that, that's great. My, that's my hot take of the no, day. No, they, they look incredible. You just don't win in them. The record in them, well, like the alternate uniform, iced whites, matted white. You mm-hmm. won at Northwestern, yeah, right. You almost had a great comeback against Miami in 2015. Well, but uh, so play, whatever the players want, dude. Who the I'm, that's what I'm don't, don't let me be that's old guy. Saying. I can't do it. Ah. But a lot of the former players lose their mind because they, at one point in time, did all whites in '92 and in and in '91, and it. Didn't go well. I think if the Didn't past well six Ames. years has shown me anything, it's shown me a lot of things over the past six years. It's that what jersey Nebraska's wearing does not matter if they won or they lost. 
There's a lot of us that are superstitious, and some of the players are that way. Uh, Coach Jimmy Walden, our dear friend, once Nebraska to wear road whites all the time. I wouldn't hate it. I like the all-white look. I think it is that perfect mix of traditional Nebraska with kind of a, a modern twist is, you know what? We didn't wear the, the white pants back in the day, but we're going to start wearing them now. It's still that same traditional Nebraska uniform that you love. It's just the color of the pants are different, and maybe the old – Older listeners within our audience that are not 23, almost 24 like myself are going to disagree with Bill me. Bill Dolman okay. says no. And if Bill Dolman says no, Ex- then it's... That's my, mainly how I was referring to when I talked about our older listenership. It's, it's <laughs> Bill Dolman. <laughs> he's going to sneak his way into the old studio and plow you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, fight <laughs> fight <laughs> right it's got many 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 different definitions and that's not where Freezing, i was <laughs> that's not where i was going <laughs> you sick 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 <laughs> coors hat wearing <laughs> wow uh oh, basketball yeah that's where we go from that how about them huh? listen they played their butt off I thoroughly enjoyed their comeback. They were down 10. That could have got real ugly the way Penn State was shooting. Nebraska tied it a couple of times, but it wasn't to be. And you feel sick for Bandamel. You feel sick for Gary Bandamel with the knee issue out for the year. So Nebraska's really up against it. They are very limited with personnel, they're very limited defensively without Gary and Bandamel. Well, the, the defense is what kept you in most of the games this year, and now you lose both the guys that got black shirts, and maybe you can talk about a black shirt curse, if you will. But those are your two guys that you're your defensive stalwarts, the guys that earned black shirts for the Husker basketball team this year, and you've lost them both. Yeah, uh, Wednesday, Northwestern will have Andy Markowski with us Wednesday to chat. Tomorrow on the show, Eric Warfield will tap into – a standout chief and Husker get his take on things in KC. Mitch Sherman with us. Big thanks to Charlie McBride and Jay Moore. Talk to you at four tomorrow on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.